Ask Wildman, the weekly show from full-service digital agency Wildman Web Solutions, is ready to answer all of your questions about marketing, tech, and sales to grow your small business. Each week, the Wildman Web Solutions team tackles your questions and trending topics live. Learn strategies and tactics to take your small business to big revenue. The Ask Wildman show starts now. Good morning and welcome to Ask Wildman. My name is Miles Bassett. I'm the CEO and founder over here at Wildman Web Solutions. Uh, we are a digital marketing agency in Lawrence, Kansas, and we specialize in working with small businesses and helping them to leverage technology to uh, grow and succeed. So we started doing this live stream every week um, as a resource to anyone and everyone who wants to learn a little bit about digital tech, uh, digital marketing or technology. Uh, this is an open Q&A, so if you want to jump in, be part of the conversation, or if you have some questions about technology, marketing, advertising, or anything else, uh, throw your questions in the comments below. We are live streaming to our Facebook page and YouTube channel, so uh, pick your, your social media uh, platform and then uh, jump in, be part of the conversation. Uh, we do this every week, Wednesdays at 11. Uh, to answer your question. So it's uh, me and my partner here. Mike, I'll have you join, hopefully. There we go. Good. Go, Mike. Good morning. How are you today, Miles? I am doing well. See if I can't click enough buttons to, to make this thing work. Technology, it's difficult. <laughs> uh, you're, you're steering the ship just fine. All right. So like I said, this is an open Q&A. So um, if anyone has any questions or comments or anything, uh, you can jump in, be part of the conversation uh, and put your questions in the comments below. We'll try to get to those. Um, or if you're watching this later, then you can actually email us your questions at askwildman at wildmanweb.com and we'll get to your questions next week. Uh, moving on past that, um, Throw your questions in the comments. We'll get to you here in just a second. We've already got our first live question, so uh, we'll address that <laughs> from uh, our favorite viewer, Mr. Jeff Fry. Hello, Jeff. Good morning, Jeff. He says, are you familiar with Parler and thought about marketing uses for it? So I think we can take this in a slightly broader context. We have talked about it a little bit, but we can probably go a little bit deeper into emerging social media platforms. Parler is, of course, one of the uh, new up-and-comers, but it's hardly the only one, and it won't be the last uh, new social media platform to kind of hit the market. Um, and, of course, wherever there's people, there's attention, there's engagement, there's going to be some sort of marketing angle to take there. Um, I think it's, it's up to people like us, up to uh, agencies like us to stay on the cutting edge, stay on the bleeding edge, uh, you know, look at these new platforms and see if there's going to be an opportunity there. Uh, Mike, I know you talked about last time, you know, some of the bigger companies are now starting to turn their attention towards Facebook, Instagram, Google, YouTube, these traditional digital marketing uh, platforms and making them a little bit more expensive, a little bit more difficult for smaller businesses um, and had hypothesize that maybe some of these new platforms might be uh, where some smaller businesses end up going, where they can get a little bit more bang for their buck. Uh, so are you going to keep going down that or uh, change your opinion on that a little bit? What do you think? Yeah, well, first of all, good question. Thanks for the question, Jeff. 
I, I, I'm aware of parlor. Uh, I I'll be honest. I haven't been on the platform yet myself, so I'm not speaking from, uh, from any sort of expertise on the matter. So take this with a grain of salt. Uh, but I think overall, I think it's, it's, I've heard is gaining a whole lot of traction. Uh, I, I, there's a comedian actually, uh, that I, I follow on Facebook, who's now about to get de deplatformed. And so he's been all at the end of every one of his videos. Now he's telling everybody to go over to plat, uh, to parlor because he thinks it's a matter of time before his Facebook page is going to be taken down. Uh, so it's certainly somewhere where people are going, uh, that, you know, they feel like that they're not going to be censored, uh, like is what's happening on the bigger flat platforms, uh, Facebook and Twitter, uh, especially. And so I, I think it'll continue to grow, uh, is, is going to be, you know, my underlying opinion on it. And of course, you know, just from a macro perspective, like we've talked about, um, numerous times on the show, I mean, really what this entire game is about in terms of marketing and advertising is capturing attention at the lowest price point that you can with the greatest amount of attention. I mean, that's, that's what we're trying to figure out here, you know, in order to get the biggest ROA, which is return on ad spend or return on investment. If you're just thinking about it strictly in terms of a, a sales perspective. So anytime we can go on a new and emerging platform where it's easier to gain followers, it's easier to see, you know, my organic posts will be seen. Uh, it's basically a land grab, you know, I mean, think about it as just a good old fashioned uh, land grab. And if you're out there first and you can stake your claim, well, it's yours. You know, there's, there's nothing, there's no competition that's really going to come by uh, at least for a while on these new emerging platforms. And so this is the same thing that has happened on every platform that has ever been created. You know, I mean, going all the way back to MySpace is that the early adapters of it that have been able to create a foundation on the platform, put out good content and build a strong, loyal, big following, they win. And they usually stay those dominant people on that platform until that platform, you know, uh, goes away. Uh, and, and sometimes those people don't jump well to, to new platforms. And that's actually one of the, uh, the mistakes they make is they get too comfortable where they're, they're fat and happy. So from a marketing standpoint, I think it's always a good idea to go and at least test the waters on these new platforms uh, because they all are a little bit different, but they're all also kind of the same. You know, they're all built on a previous platform for the most part. And so you're learning new skills, you're learning new ways to communicate uh, that could be you, you know, for a greater use even further down the line on one of these existing uh, platforms. But, you know, Jeff, it's interesting that you, we got this question right out of the gate because you're taking this into, you know, the big news uh, of the week, which I wanted to touch on anyway. So I guess we can just kind of roll this into this conversation because Parler definitely uh, plays a role in all this. Uh, and that is, of course, right after we got done with the show uh, last Wednesday, I think a couple hours later, uh, the news came out about the Federal Trade Commission and the government's ruling uh, with a lawsuit against Facebook. Uh, and so this was huge news, uh, obviously, uh, for anybody in, in, the, in the digital marketing space or if you're just a, a user of Facebook uh, and particularly Instagram or WhatsApp. Uh, we, you know, we could get into the weeds on all this, but I think right now we don't know what we don't know uh, at this point. 
uh, in terms of what's going to happen with this. Nothing could happen. Uh, or it could be so big that they actually make Facebook divest from Instagram and WhatsApp and they become their own separate companies. Uh, so that would be a, definitely a, a paradigm shattering event uh, if that did happen. And, uh, and, and certainly one that could have a fallout for these new emerging platforms as well. I think, I think as I alluded to last week, uh, I mean, maybe it was two weeks ago on the show when we were just discussing this possibility, uh, you know, oftentimes when uh, antitrust lawsuits and big regulations come down on an industry, it's actually the big mega, you know, uh, giants that survive and thrive. And it's the new existing platforms that get throttled and it makes them harder to actually take market share. And so if, if that does happen to this industry, uh, that would be something that would concern me about these emerging platforms. Uh, but like I said, it, it's too early to tell, uh, but it was certainly big news that they were at least moving forward with this lawsuit. And I'm sure Facebook is going to lawyer up and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens in the courts. But, uh, I, you know, I guess my, my overall point in regards to something like Parler is that could certainly uh, help or hurt uh, these kind of new existing platforms. And Parler isn't the only one. Um, MeWe, Miles, help me out. I know there's a couple other ones. Um, out there that are gaining some, some, uh, some traction and, uh, you know, and still TikTok, you know, is still in my mind an emerging platform, but becoming more and more sophisticated all the time. Uh, and I actually, I heard something interesting too. I'll just throw this in here uh, because I, I thought I was thinking about it. I was listening to the, uh, uh, the CMO of Snapchat the other day and I, mean, I hope I don't mess this stat up. But he was saying that on Snapchat's platform, their user, their daily user base of users 35 and over are actually greater than Twitter's entire user base of any age group. And, and so that's something that, you know, typically we think about these emerging platforms as only skewing towards the very young. You know, it's the teenager apps and things like that. Uh, and I think that that's an antiqu you know, antiquated uh, viewpoint at this point. And I think that we can say that you can't judge a book by its cover and that a lot of these platforms are, uh, are actually skewing upwards, especially I think something like, or uh, skewing upwards in terms of age range, especially something like Parler, because it seems to be a lot of people who are leaving Twitter and Facebook and they're going to this platform and Twitter and Facebook have traditionally been the, uh, the oldest in terms of demographics of user base uh, for, for a platform. So certainly I wouldn't think that Parler would be uh, something just for the kids. And so, like I said, it's worth a shot uh, and it's certainly worth to get on there and see if you can, you know, take advantage of this land grab and go out and stake some, uh, take, stake a claim uh, to an audience because usually what happens on these emerging platforms, the reason they're so great to jump on early is because there's more attention than there is content, meaning there's more people wanting to watch something or wanting to click on something or wanting to engage with something than there are people who are making and putting the content out there for people to engage with. So if you're a content creator, if you are a small business, if you're somebody who is wanting to build an audience in order to leverage it, uh, to sell a product or a service, certainly I, 
highly encourage you to at least test these waters uh, and see see it out for yourself. I think that was a pretty uh, pretty comprehensive answer there. I do want to jump in on a couple more specific points to try to answer your question, Jeff, uh, about parlor, but it does kind of touch on something broader because they're um, they're doing some things that uh, a lot of new platforms are doing. Um, and I think, you know, maybe with some of these uh, antitrust crackdowns and I mean, if if the government has their way and, uh, you know, some of these major social media players might have to change their game plan a little bit so they could follow in this direction uh, as well. Um, and that's kind of what um, what they're calling a decentralized model. Um, this is really. Um, parlor's big thing this is their main direction and i think i've seen a couple of other social media platforms kind of leaning in this direction too so uh might want to think about it a little bit but basically the idea is that you're not paying um you're not putting your ads on the platform directly like paying facebook to, to then display your ads to their network instead you are paying um you're advertising on a particular influencer, someone who has a big following on that platform, and then you are advertising to that influencer's audience. Mm -hmm. uh, so they're even calling it their influencer network. That's instead of their ad network or something, they are calling it their influencer network. The idea is that you can uh, choose who you are displaying your content to, who you are advertising to. You get that sort of credibility that comes with uh, the sort of influencer marketing that we're, we see on, on like Instagram and having those influencers um, market your brand. Um, and then also on the customer and the consumer end, they can choose what kind of advertisements they're seeing by uh, giving their attention to particular individuals, to particular influencers. And so people they like, people's, um, people whose content they like, um, they're only seeing their advertisements chosen by that individual. So if you like this person and you like their content, you're more likely to like the kinds of advertisements that they're gonna have presented to their own network. Um, this way you're kind of distancing yourself as a platform from the advertisers, from the influencers, from the customers, you're sort of stepping back. And again, they're having that kind of um, decentralized uh, attack on this, which is again, just removing themselves uh, or at least taking one step back from the entire advertising process. So it's a little bit of a different model. Um, it could be beneficial to, to some people. Um, I, I don't know how it's going to shake out. No one really does. Uh, but I guess we'll see. And this one parlor is, is kind of the, um, the lead in this. So we'll see how they do. Um, one other point that might be interesting here, and that is that they are restricting things a little bit less. Um, their rules are pretty simple. Uh, pretty much they just don't allow anything blatantly illegal on their platform, um, which isn't too much different from advertising on, say, Facebook. Um, but there's a couple of specific areas where that might be seriously advantageous. Uh, you know, we've talked about on this show doing, a, let's see, like CBD marketing. Uh, if you have a CD company, uh, Facebook gets a little bit touchy on some of those rules, whereas something like Parler, they're going to be fine with you marketing uh, CBD products. So if you happen to be in one of those industries where things are a little bit touchy, these platforms that you have been advertising on um, have been difficult for you for whatever reason. Maybe you, can, uh, you can't advertise at all or your advertisements keep getting flagged for whatever reason. Um, one of these emerging platforms might be a good 
uh, a good way to go. And then, yeah, like you said, uh, these things are pretty new. They don't have the audience that larger platforms do. Uh, so that is a little bit of a disadvantage, but the pro that comes along with that is it's cheap super super cheap to advertise on these platforms right now so if you can get your strategy right and if you can get in front of the right kind of people there this could be an incredibly cost effective way to reach your audience and that is you know uh jumping on one of these these smaller platforms it's just a smaller marketplace and so you may be able to be a little bit more competitive over there yeah that's a great point miles about the decentralization of the platform and the use of influencers and in, in you know, just to tie this a little bit back into marketing, uh, which, which thank, thanks for doing that. Uh, <laughs> you know, the other thing too, is you're probably going to have a lot, uh, cheaper costs on an emerging platform right now. You may even be able to, you know, like, like we've talked about before, uh, get an organic audience without even paying anything. If your content is good enough, uh, to have to advertise, but uh, I've been thinking about this a lot lately and we alluded to it at the end of the show last week when I was talking about how I'm seeing a trend of the big fortune 500 companies, not only spending a whole lot more on Facebook, but getting more into things like Snapchat and Twitch and, and TikTok and these emerging platforms. And that's all going to drive up price and drive out small business owners. And we're already seeing it on the Facebook platform. Uh, this fourth quarter, you know, it's been a, been a bloodbath, uh, in terms of, issues that the platform has had bugs and all kinds of things uh, on the back end and then then just rising prices and of course you know we've been warning about this for years uh, you know anybody's been paying attention knew that this was coming i don't i don't know if we saw the the bugs and and those kind of uh technical issues on the back end is as, as as bad as they as they are but uh the bottom line is we've got to be finding alternatives. You know, we always have to be Lewis and Clark. You know, we always have to be exploring and pushing to see where that new frontier is and, and going out there and seeing if it's fertile land or not. Uh, so, sorry to keep using the, uh, the land grab analogy, but it, it really is how I think about this uh, emerging technology and the way that we can interact with it from a business standpoint. And so your, your costs are probably going to be a lot cheaper. And if you're a business that doesn't need a huge audience, why are you paying to reach a, a huge audience? You know, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I'd rather reach a small audience and be able to reach them effectively and more cost efficiently and convert them and have what I need than try to reach this huge piece of the pie. Uh, and so influencer marketing, you know, I know next, I think next week we're going to do our, our predictions for 2021, but here's another teaser. Uh, I think influencer marketing is going to come back uh, into into popularity and be a really big thing that small businesses utilize in 2021 because of the cost effectiveness effectiveness of it. Uh, you know, we're, especially on a platform like Facebook, we're getting almost to the point where it's hard to pick seven different pieces of creative and be able to afford to test all those on a small budget small business budget like we've been able to in the past. So. How can we use our budget more wisely? How can we go you know, directly into an audience that we know is our audience, we know is gonna convert? Influencer marketing is gonna be a big, big thing uh, that I think a lot of small businesses are gonna be able to utilize, uh, not only on things like Parlor, but also on Instagram and other platforms as well. Guess we got a little bit of a follow-up question here. 
see. Any tips on catching attention in the first few seconds we get to grab attention? Um, Free beer. <laughs> that'll work. That'll work well for us anyway. That'll definitely get our attention. <laughs> um, if we're talking about in social media, I guess, we'll just keep down that line and then maybe go a little bit broader. I'll let you have that, Mike. But going through social media, um, probably the biggest, easiest win there is video. Um, you know, people, they they have that infinite scroll. You, you've got this, you know, just go, 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 scroll through Facebook, through Instagram or whatever. They tend to stop on movement. Um, so video can be a good way to do that. Um, having a, you know, catchy intro in there, of course, um, you know, like we have our neon sign here at the very beginning. I mean, nothing's catchier than a neon sign. Um, and having something text-based in there as well can be a, a good I don't know what you would call this conversion metric um, because a lot of people scrolling through are on mute. They don't have their audio on or anything. So if it's just you talking um, or you, know, you don't have anything there up front, they're not going to see what it is. They're not going to know what's happening. So uh, video with some text at the very beginning in the first couple of seconds can be uh, a very high converting item as far as getting people to stop that scroll and look at you for a little bit longer um and then once you get past that it's just up to your content you better be doing something interesting to keep them around uh but yeah that's that's my my quick and easy uh tip to win that attention in the first couple of seconds at least on on social media mike do you want to add to that at all yeah uh first of all that that's the right question to be asking so great question um i think miles you you, you nailed it there uh, I'll just expand a little bit on the content part. So uh, there's an old saying in advertising called surprise the broca. And the broca is the part of your frontal lobe of your brain uh, that basically where shock happens. And, and so what you want to do is you want to disrupt the mundane uh, images and, and messages that are coming into the brain. And you want to shake it up a little bit and you want to surprise it. And, and so that's going to get the brain to stop, tune in and say, ah, what is this? I need a little closer examination uh, of what exactly this is. So, uh, so the first key here is to understand exactly who your target audience is, because that's all we care about. And, uh, and target is, is the key word there. You know, we're not trying to talk to everybody. We're trying to talk to, you know, again, our, our P1 listener. Uh, or, you know, our, our fanatic fan, if you will. That's who we want to talk to. We want to address exactly what their need is or their want in those first three seconds. And if we know who they are, you know, if we know that they're insurance agents in Kansas City, then you say, hey, insurance agents in Kansas City. And then the next line is exactly what you're going to give them. Uh, you know, there's other tricks like, hey, if I know that, uh, you know, it's a 20 to 30 year old single male is my target audience. I want to put an attractive female in the first three seconds in the image. You know, I mean, it's kind of a no brainer, but, you know, obviously you have to understand all the senses that are being affected here. So sight, sound uh, is, is what we're trying to focus on. And we're trying to surprise the broca and then provide value as soon as we can that we have the attention grabbed. So it's the, the shock and awe strategy. <laughs> it's exactly correct, Miles. It's <laughs> it's the uh, the 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 the, the f friendlier uh, shock and awe strategy than uh, 
what happened in the, in the Iraqi war. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and one of the things that at least catches my attention a lot and really makes me stick around, uh, there's been a couple of times I've just been, you know, throw, scrolling through Facebook or whatever, and I end up watching something, not even realizing that it's an ad for a second, uh, just because they made something entertaining. Uh, they made something fun. You know, they, they clearly had fun making this thing. It doesn't have to be cinematic quality or anything. Some of these things were clearly just shot with, with smartphones. Um, but they put a little bit of effort into making it entertaining, making it funny. It was sort of a, you know, mini comedy sketch, if you will. Um, and you know, that made me stick around, uh, mm -hmm. it, past that because you know as soon as you see something is an ad most people's inclination is to go on scroll away they don't want to see it as soon as they know something is that as soon as they know they're being pitched they want to leave mm -hmm. so if you can make it not only just valuable but you know entertaining to make it seem like you're not directly pitching them you're not immediately asking them to buy something you're not immediately just saying you know here's value now buy something you're being entertaining you're being funny you want to i don't know convince them to watch this thing get sold on you get sold on whatever sort of entertainment that you're providing and then they're at the end say oh hey by the way buy my stuff go to my website whatever yeah. the call to action is hundred percent miles. And, and you, you just made a really important point there. Uh, and first of all, let's just, this be a good opportunity to, you know, once again, uh, define what we mean by value You know, providing value, anything that's educational, uh, entertaining or informative uh, that, that it aligns with the interest of your target audience. Uh, but I think the really important point you just made there is, especially when we're talking about social media uh, is that these people aren't there to be sold anything to. You know, the last thing that people go on Facebook to do usually, uh, you know, is get sold to. Uh, this, and this is why advertising on social media is a lot different than, say, my Google AdWords campaign. Right. When, when I'm doing a Google AdWords campaign and my target audience is searching for my product or my service to buy on Google or Bing or wherever they're going, that's a completely different psychology. Right. When they go into Facebook, when they go into Instagram, they're wanting to see what their friends are up to. They're wanting to catch up maybe on some news. They're wanting to uh, see what their grandkids are doing or their grandma, you know, their family. That's what they're doing. And so we are interrupting, you know, it's, it's literally interrupting advertising. It's no different. Well, it's a little bit different, actually, I'll, I'll qualify that, than on television, right? When we sit down to watch TV, when we watch our TV show, the last thing we want is the commercial break, right? That's when we always get up when we go to the bathroom or these days we'll open up our phone and we'll get on Twitter and we'll argue about what happened in the show with people that we've never met before. But you know that, that's what we do. The last thing we wanna do is be like, oh, let's buy something. And, and so this is where content marketing and content advertising comes into play, which, which I know we talked about before on the show, but it always bears repeating because it's the antithesis of uh, interruption advertising. And what content is doing is, is providing value and the selling is an afterthought. So we're providing education, we're providing information, and we're entertaining, or hopefully we're doing all three. Uh, and that's what people engage with the most on social platforms. And so when we're talking about building a brand, 
when we're talking about getting somebody to know, like, and trust you, that's the kind of content that we should be putting out three, four, five to one to the, hey, here's my product, buy it. You know, that should be uh, the afterthought and not our first thought. And I think that that's the biggest mistake that especially small businesses can't quite get their head around is how do I engage my content in a social manner uh, on these social media platforms. And I tell you, there are some who do it really well and they're quite successful, but it's the exception, not the rule. I want to uh, kind of back up there, there just a little bit to touch first on this follow-up question here and then to define something a little bit more. So um, Jeff has, has asked, is funny the preferred method for keeping attention? Um, you know, that's just something that, that I said because, you know, I had seen an advertisement recently that, you know, it was, it was funny and that's what kept my attention. It's not necessarily the way, it's definitely not the only way. Um, I want to go back to what you were saying there, Mike, and that is defining value when we say providing value, because uh, what I immediately think is, you know, something like this show, it's, uh, it's, it's just straight up value. It's here's how to do this. We're here to literally answer your questions and provide value, <coughs> but that's not necessarily what we're talking about when we're talking about advertisement, we're talking about marketing and creating something that is value. Um, that could be something that is entertaining. That's valuable to them. It could be something that's funny. It could be something, um, you know, some some marketing uh, campaigns kind of lean into the whole fear thing, or make you afraid of something. You know, security companies or something like that. They they play on a different emotion there. Um, but ultimately, you're just doing something that is impactful, something that is meaningful to the end user, to that uh, that person that's consuming this this media. Uh, so it doesn't have to be funny. I'd say, uh, depending on your brand, depending on what it is that you're marketing, what you're selling, um, and also based on you. Uh, you know, some people are are good at being funny. Some people aren't. Uh, Jeff, knowing you, that might be a good direction for you to go. Uh, it seems like a pretty good character fit. Uh, but it does depend on what you're good at. I'd say play to your strengths um, and and find a way to provide some sort of value to people. Uh, and that can be that can come in infinite ways. Uh, but yeah, I just wanted to hit on that on that definition, Mike, that uh, you hit there very briefly and and dive in a little bit deeper on just defining what we mean by value. yeah, thanks for uh, for taking the wheel there, miles. i was I was. I was choking on my own, my own, uh, my own words. Uh, you know, a good example of content marketing that has, it doesn't have any, anything to do with being funny is uh, Red Bull. Red Bull has an actual channel. I forget if it's on Netflix or one of the one of the streaming services, uh, but they have an actual uh, reoccurring show that they put out extreme video content for extreme sports fanatics because that is what they deem as their target audience. So again, it's all about reverse engineering who your target audience is and what they want. So maybe it is funny. And you know, and if that's what your if that's what your target audience really wants and you're not funny, well you better find somebody who's funny, you know, and and make them make them part of your advertising. Uh, to be able to relate to those people. But yeah, it's all about just reverse engineering what the customer wants. And that's, that's another big thing that I think has changed over the last 10, 20 years 
especially, uh, you know, and I know we've talked about it a little bit before on the show. We can't harp on it enough. It's not a top-down messaging system anymore. It's not the brands just tell the consumers what they want and what they like, and then the consumers say, okay, we'll buy that because there's no other choices. There's no other feedback. There's no other uh, communication. It's all decent, you know, to use that word decentralized again. That's what I feel like almost all of marketing is now. And that, you know, we not only hear from the brands, but we hear from the users of the brands. We hear from influences of the brands. You know, we, we, uh, we have our, we can share our own opinions of brands in real time on too many platforms to count. And so it, and so as a brand ourselves or as a company ourselves, it's more important than ever that we're listening and that we're reacting to what the customer wants because if we don't, we're going to lose. The customer has all the power now, and the customer can easily tell who is uh, uh, who is empowering their power and who is not listening to them, not servicing them, and that's where they're going to decide to go and do their business with. And it's becoming more and more the case, even since post COVID. You know, like we've talked about before on the show, the numbers clearly indicate that people are more loyal right now uh, to the brands that they feel like are, are servicing them the best and they won't leave them. They won't go test a, a, co a competitor right now like they, maybe they would have in the past. Uh, I saw a really interesting stat the other day about uh, the younger generation that people over 75% of people who were 35 and under the number one indicator of whether or not they were going to do business with somebody was their technology and their web presence. And if their technology and their web presence weren't up to snuff, they feel like that that, that was an inferior brand and that they weren't really going to be able to do the best that they could for them. And so they were going to pick the people that they thought, you know, they had the app or they had, uh, you know, the curbside pickup or whatever it was. Uh, and so, you know, we're, this is so important right now that businesses can't uh, can't go on the on the uh, on the defense so to speak and they have to continually be uh, reevaluating themselves and and not not trying to be everything to everybody again it's finding who your target audience is and listening to them and they'll pull the other people along they'll end up being your champions uh, that are out there giving you the five-star reviews and getting the peripheral people uh, in your camp but uh, you gotta gotta stay laser focused on what those people want, and talk to them about it all the time. I feel like there's a couple of points that we keep we keep coming back to, not only today but on this show in general, um, and and that's one of them is reverse engineering things. You know, starting from the end point and building up from there. Um, in this case, starting with your uh, your target audience um, and trying to figure out what it is that they would want to see, and then try to figure out you know, the best way that, that you can create that thing that they would want to see. And then after that, finally, uh, coming to the place where, you know, you can, you can convert, you can get them to, you know, visit your website, visit your store, buy your whatever, using that content that you created specifically for them. So, you know, selling is, is the last thing that you're even thinking about. Um, but really, really kind of using that, um, reverse engineering tactic. Uh, it seems like we, we keep coming back to that one a lot. Um, the other one uh, that I, I kind of heard you say in there is just, um, 
know, there's, there's so many options. There's so many technologies. There's so many platforms, whether we're talking about social media or, um, you know, paid advertising or search advertising or SEO or websites or, you know, anything. There's so many options out there. And well, I wish that I could just come out and say, you know, here's the tool set. Here's exactly what you need. A, B, C, done. Um, unfortunately, I can't really do that. You know, there's, there's so many tools out there. You've got to pick one that works best for you, works best for your brand, works best for uh, your strategy. And that begins with understanding yourself, understanding your brand, understanding your target audience. That way you can pull the right tools out of that toolbox and leverage technology optimally for, for you and your particular circumstance. That's correct, Miles. But here's here's one thing. Here's one principle. I think we can universally, uh, you know, uh, apply across the board. And something that we've definitely it keeps coming up in each almost each episode uh, as a theme, and that is speed and convenience. You know, the there are a lot of options out there. The people who are the businesses who always win are the one who gives the people speed and convenience over the others. And that and that stat with the young people, and them preferring technology. And, and better web-based businesses over, over the ones that lack it, that was really what stood out to me is, oh, that's another indicator of the consumer always wants speed and convenience. This is just the new way of speed and convenience. But it's no different than you know last week when we were talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken <laughs> and the reason he had to go from cooking that chicken to 30 to 40 minutes down to eight minutes, right? It was, it was all about the customer wanted speed and convenience. I mean, that's... That's why McDonald's exists, right? It's like they, re they redid the entire burger or the entire food industry, really, based around putting an assembly line in a restaurant. Well, it was the exact same thing that Henry Ford did, and it was the exact same thing that Milton Hershey did before, before uh, McDonald's did. And then Taco Bell took that same uh, thing. Burger King took that same thing, and away it went, right? And today in the 21st century, the same macro principle applies. It's just that speed and convenience is technology and web-based solutions. And the people that are able to offer uh, the most convenience and, and satisfy their customers the best are going to win. Yep. And just to clarify, we are not recommending that everyone go out and make fast food versions of their, of their company or their business. Um, you know, you can you can apply speed and convenience in a lot of ways. It's not necessarily about, um, you know, draining the quality of your product and making a, a cheap, crappy version of it or something. Speed and convenience can apply to engaging with your company, communicating with your company, the customer service element of something where, you know, you add a, a live chat to your website or something um, or, you know, create a little bit more of a social media presence where people can engage uh, with you where they already are on their, their social media platform of choice. Um, so that speed and convenience factor can apply in a lot of ways outside of, you know, just making cheap crap as fast as you can. 100% miles. I mean, look at the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City Chiefs are the best football team on the planet because of speed. That's it. They, <laughs> they figured it out. They figured it out. Three years ago, they were like, we're going to build a team. It's going to be the fastest team that's ever set foot on the field. And I think they've won 23 of their last 24 games. So, yeah, it's working out pretty well. I thought that's because uh, Mahomes was some kind of second coming or something. Well, they're, that's what that, I keep hearing. That doesn't hurt either. You, you know, you got to have a little secret sauce in there as well.
Yeah, so there are very few things that we can just say blanket answers to everything, but that speed and convenience factor, I think I think you're right. We can pretty much apply that everywhere. You just got to be careful where you throw it, uh, not sacrifice your brand, not sacrifice your quality or anything, uh, but you know, try to make it faster and easier to engage with you um, and your business. Um, you know, whether that is putting together a, a better website or getting on social media or uh, opening up new communication channels uh, or, you know, amping up the technology at your company so that you can work a little bit faster, a little bit more efficiently. Uh, that speed and convenience factor can can pretty much be applied anywhere. Um, let's see. Step back a little bit for anyone joining us. Uh, this is Ask Wildman, uh, open QA provided by Wildman Web Solutions. Uh, we're a digital marketing company, so uh, we're here to answer your questions about um, advertising, about marketing, about technology, about business. Uh, if you want to ask us anything else, you absolutely can. We'll do our best, but no guarantees outside of those general areas. Uh, throw your questions in the comments below, and if you think that the information that we're providing is valuable, help us to reach a broader audience by liking, sharing, following, etc. Uh, all the social media words. Uh, if you like and share this video, if you engage with this, even just throwing in a quick hello comment uh, helps the algorithms to let people know, um, or lets the social media overlords know that you know people like this and uh, someone else may indeed want to see this. Uh, another piece of uh, another resource that we're putting out there. Uh, I said this last week, but I want to uh, rehash it a little bit. Uh, we did just redo our own website, wildmanweb.com, um, and really are emphasizing the resources on there, trying to make it a really good educational resource for small businesses. Uh, so we're expanding on our blog there. We put all of our live streams, this show, all of the shows that we've ever put out there are now on our website, full live stream archive. Uh, and you know we'll be working over the next couple of weeks and into 2021 uh, at making that website more useful, more of a resource. So um, if you haven't checked it out recently, go uh, to wildmanweb.com and uh, see what you think. Uh, you can go to wildmanweb.com slash blog to get to um, our articles there. Uh, and there's a bunch of other resources that will be coming up here in the upcoming weeks. All right, I got one question about SEO. So I think we're going to shift gears a little bit. We're still talking about differing platforms, but now going to be talking about search. Um, had an interesting conversation with someone uh, earlier this week uh, about an SEO campaign and trying to find the best ways to measure you know, what's working and what's not. Um, and I ended up talking about something that I realized I hadn't, I hadn't brought up on this show and really hadn't talked to a lot of people about. Um, and that is doing SEO on smaller search engines. Um, Yahoo, Bing, yes, Bing is still a thing. Um, and so since these search engines are smaller, they don't have as much market share or anywhere close uh, to that of Google, people kind of overlook them and they don't really work on them at all. Um, and it is true, it's definitely a smaller market share. You're gonna reach less people. Um, and so it might not be worth your time. If you have very limited resources, it's probably best to put all of your eggs into the Google basket. Um, but there are a couple of benefits that you get for working on those smaller search engines. Um, and that is because it's a smaller marketplace, you can see changes happening faster and more uh, dramatically. So one of the difficult parts about doing SEO is that everything that you do um, only impacts it a tiny bit, and you're not really going to see the impact of what you're doing for 
days, hours, weeks later. Uh, so it could be that you do five hours of work today and you're not really going to see that ranking jump for another three weeks. And so it's kind of hard to tie what you're doing to the actual effect of something. Putting yourself into a smaller area, smaller market, say, you know, Yahoo search um, allows you to uh, see those changes, those changes a lot faster and a lot more dramatically. So something that would have only been a half a point ranking change on Google is 10 points or 10 rankings uh, change on Yahoo. And it happens 10 times faster. Um, and these guys, these other search engines are, I mean, they're basically just copying Google. If you look at their, their algorithms and how they're doing their searches, they're just trying to do what Google does. Um, so they are the Google search algorithm, but a little behind the curve. Um, so it can work as a really valuable test case for your other search um, efforts. And if you see yourself trending upwards on Bing, uh, most likely what you're doing is, is working. Um, and it's going to apply to Google as well, but those changes might not be quite as obvious or quite as drastic. Um, so in this particular campaign, we're seeing, you know, uh, keywords jumping from, uh, you know, ranked number 78 all the way up to nine on Bing. And then on Google, that's a change of like, you know, five rankings or something. Um, but it lets you know that what you're doing is actually working um, and can really help you to sort of fine tune your efforts. So I guess my, my point here would be don't just throw the smaller markets out by the wayside because they're not worth it. Use them for, uh, as a test case, use them uh, to, to test some stuff, to measure some things, uh, and to make sure that what you're doing and all of the time and energy and resources that you're putting into your search uh, optimization is actually working and going in the right direction. Um, so yeah, just had that conversation earlier. I thought that'd be a good point to throw out, especially for anyone jumping into the search engine optimization world. Uh, you know, yeah. use Bing. Yeah, and Miles, and, and and also don't overlook Bing for uh, for ads either. You know, same same principle sure. applies. You know, Bing ads, uh, if you, if you can get clicks for twenty, thirty, forty cents, you can and get conversions. I mean, that that is obvious. Uh, usually, an overlooked avenue that uh, a lot of businesses aren't taking advantage of. So there's not a lot of competition there, and it's cheap traffic. And if you don't need a lot of traffic, you just need good traffic. Well. That that uh, certainly is an area to to, to take a peek at, uh, and then Miles, I actually I got a question on SEO yesterday actually, uh, in a client meeting, and I said I tried to answer it my best, and I said, well, I'm going to have to get Miles though to give the uh, the the official seal of approval answer on that. So uh, he was basically, you know, the, the the business has great SEO currently. And they were just really wanting to know, you know, what should be best practices if you have great SEO in order to keep it uh, in terms of maybe updating your website, you know, what should or you shouldn't do uh, that may affect your SEO ranking if, if you don't want to lose a good one. You kind of cut out there at the very end for me. Can you, can you oh. back up? Yeah, what, what should you be doing or not doing in terms of updating your website if you want to maintain a really good SEO ranking? Sure. Um, so a website can kind of be broken up into the main content and the metadata. 
um, metadata is information about your website. Um, so, um, you know, your, your page descriptions, your titles, um, alternate text on images, things like that, these little tags, um, tiny pieces of information on your website. These things can be updated, meticulously taken apart, make sure that you put all the right key, keywords in there. Um, you can do a lot of work on, on just the metadata. On the actual content of the website, and I'll have a caveat here in a second, the actual content you probably don't want to change as often. Uh, I know I talked about this a little bit last week. You can obviously go in there and change some basic text or update an image or something when you need to um, change your content. You know, you had a sale on there that's no longer valid. Obviously, you need to take that off and everything. But don't just go onto your website and change your content constantly, drag and drop this around, create new pages, delete old pages. Um, because that's the algorithms aren't going to like that. People aren't going to like that. You're going to end up with broken links and mistakes, and it's just not going to be worth your time and energy. Um, so if you're talking about just updating the content, I'd say focus on the descriptions, focus on the metadata, and really, um, you know, take that apart with a fine-tooth comb and and make sure that you have the proper keywords in those. Um, in, in your metadata. And don't focus as much on your site content. The caveat there being something that's meant to be updated, like a blog. I've talked about blog in terms of SEO uh, before, but the basic concept is um, search engines like seeing that sort of regular live updating um, content on there. It lets them know that the business is still alive. It's still current. You actually care about putting good content out there. Um, it's your opportunity to put out other keywords as well. If you want to write, uh, you know, you want to show up for a particular keyword set, write a blog article on whatever that keyword set is focusing on. Uh, it's a good opportunity to put out good content there and to put out um, something that is, that is keyword packed uh, without editing the main content of your site. Um, you know, that being said, old blog posts should be archived. Um, and you have to, you have to do that regularly. So if you're only going to write one, uh, blog post every six months or something, maybe that's not the route for you. But if you think that you can stay on top of it, um, and do a blog post, you know, once a week, once a month, something regular, then that can be a huge help on, uh, on SEO. Now, as far as updating your website entirely, you know, you want to redevelop your website. You want to, um, you know, you had a an old HTML site and you want to upgrade to doing a WordPress site or a Joomla site or something like that. So you're switching technologies, you're switching platforms, you're switching, switching designs, total revamp. Um, you have to be very careful at that point to not lose your search rankings. Mm -hmm. um, it's possible that uh, Google and other search engines will see your new website as a completely new website, as not you, as something completely different, and therefore you aren't deserving of um, all of that the, that search momentum and all those um, equity ability that you had before. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, so your domain authority is going to fall because they don't know that you're the same person. Um, there's also, again, problems with uh, broken pages or broken links out there. Um, you have tons of links to your website all over the internet that maybe you don't even know about. You probably only know about the tip of the iceberg there. There's links all over in different directories and map services and review sites and mm -hmm. you name it. There's links to your website and it might ju not just be your homepage. It could be 
uh, you know, one of your sub pages or something. And as soon as you change that, um, as soon as you change that web or you update your website, if that link isn't there and you don't have the proper redirects in place, then search uh, engines are going to see the 404 error. They're going to see that broken link and they're going to assume that, you know, your website's gone, it's changed, um, you're out of business. Maybe this is a new business on the same domain. And yeah. so, yeah, you got to be really careful about doing that update. So if you are doing a full update, really put some special attention into maintaining what you have. Uh, talk to an SEO expert, talk to an agency like us um, and see what they can do for you. At least make sure that you have all the proper redirects in there. So if you do have an old page that's not going to exist anymore, um, then you're redirecting that. If you had, a, I don't know, before you had a www before your domain and now you're just using the, uh, the just your domain without the W's at the front. Um, if before you had file extensions on there, like you had an old HTML site and you had um, home.html in the actual link, then that's not going to work anymore when you update to uh, say a WordPress site that doesn't have that. Mm -hmm. uh, so really pay attention to those redirects um, and, and your content and then submit your site for re-indexing afterwards to make sure that you are staying up to date on everything. Make sure your listings are proper. Um, and correct up to date. Um, just really put a little bit of extra effort, a little bit of extra attention when you republish that new website. Well, I definitely did not give that that thorough of an answer yesterday, Miles. So thank you for explaining that to me. <laughs> Hopefully, that was, that was mostly useful and will, less rambly than it seemed. Oh, no, that, yeah. that was very very good. I'll try to relay that to the client. <laughs> All right, we got another question coming in the comments here, uh, asking about hashtag small business challenge. Um, I've not done it yet, but I've watched the number of people that have jumped from 5,000 to 35,000 in one week. Um, is this one of those things I should participate in to help the algorithms? Um, I'll throw that up here. It's a little bit of a long comment, so I won't show the whole thing, but we can at least feature your picture and your cute dogs. <laughs> Yep. Thanks for uh, thanks for your question, Chelsea. Yeah. So, um, oh, these hashtag trends. I know I kind of have. I have I have lots of opinions about these things, but um, you know, depending on the hashtag trend and if it really applies to you, and you have some good content to put out there, it can help you to reach new audiences, um, especially how social media platforms are going nowadays. You know people only see the pages that they're following and they don't even see all of the posts from the pages that they're following. Um, people are really only seeing a very small amount of the content that's being put out there. And so it can be a little bit difficult to reach people outside of your bubble. Um, by jumping onto one of these hashtags, um, it can be a way for you to join a broader conversation and get some new fresh eyes on your page, on your content. And with that being said, there is a lot of people participating in this. So you have to be able to stand out on it. You can't just say, you know, hi, this is my business, hashtag this, and then expect a bunch of people to, you know, see you and engage with you that way. If the hashtag is applicable to you and your business, um, and you think that you can really put out something that's going to stand out in the enormous crowd, uh, then it can be a really good way to, again, reach a, a new group of people um, and get some fresh eyes on your page, get that, uh, that, uh, that injection of engagement uh, based on a single post. Um, otherwise, 
I don't know, a lot of people jumping on that bandwagon. It's a huge uh, group of people and it can be very difficult for you to stand out. It may not, may not really be worth your time there. Uh, Mike, do you have any, any points on sort of these hashtag trends um, or even this one specifically, the small business challenge? Uh, yeah, I'm actually, I'm checking it out right now, Miles, because I, I was not familiar with it. Um, but I tell you what, there's a whole lot of engagement happening in this, in this, uh, in this thread. I mean, I'm just, um, you know, I've looked at a few dozen posts here and I think the smallest one was 20 comments and the biggest one I've seen is 500 some comments. I'm going through and I'm trying to figure out how much of this is actually good stuff. It looks like it's, you know, in some of these big, big comments, uh, some of it's a little spammy. Some of it, though, is are actually a bunch of people interested uh, in their products. So, I mean, for something like this that seems to be uh, catching a bit of a trend, it, it certainly wouldn't hurt, you know. Um, so I, I would certainly, I'd certainly probably utilize something like this. Uh, and knowing what I know about Chelsea's business, you know, this would, this would fit in really well, it looks like, uh, with, with some of the other participants that are, that are doing this. So, yeah, I, I say go for it. Um, you know, are all of these, you know, kind of hashtag trends worth your time? No. You know, a lot of them kind of peter out or don't go anywhere or, the, you know, it's just kind of people just spamming each other. But this one looks like it actually is gaining some traction. And, uh, and this is a good time, uh, you know, there's, there, there are, uh, buyers out there, consumers out there at this time of year who really, they do look for the small, small businesses to support, uh, you know, they don't want to buy their Christmas presents at, at Walmart and Target and the big retailers. They want to support, uh, individual small businesses and, and entrepreneurs. And so, like I said, there's, there's a, there's no cost involved here other than your time. So. Yeah, I'd put a little bit of time in here and and try to work it. It looks like too, it's 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 good, uh, especially used in in some groups. Like I'm seeing people share it to different Etsy groups or people where they think that their niche audiences would be, uh, and they're getting really good reactions from it. So it seems like a good trend, uh, at least this time around. But uh, yeah, as a as a rule of thumb, I just think you got to take them case by case. Uh, they're generally not as effective on Facebook as they are on, on Instagram, just hashtags in general. But this one looks like it has some legs to it. So good find. Yeah, and I was, um, in my answer here, I was also just speaking a little bit more generally on hashtag trends because I wasn't familiar with uh, this particular one. Um, yeah, if, if something seems to be, again, relevant to you and you think you can uh, really contribute something, a worthwhile piece of content and use that hashtag in order to reach some new people, go for it. I mean, it's not going to hurt, really. Uh, again, it's the only cost is your time here. It's just most of the time, you know, probably not worth it for you. But yeah, if this one uh, looks relevant to you and you think you can put something out there, then uh, definitely I'd say go for it. Uh, we've got one more question here, and then I think we'll be rounding down for the day. Um, I think this is about our previous conversation, the SEO conversation on the blog. So blog versus podcast, um, very different. Um, in general, I'd say put out content in whatever way you can or are most comfortable doing. Um, 
if that's a podcast, if that's in video form, if that's written form in the form of a blog, um, or maybe you do medium posts or something like that, um, you know, whatever way that you think you can put out valuable content and you can create that regularly, um, I'd say that just, just go for it. It's going to be worth it to you. Um, in the end, regardless of the direction you go, regardless of the medium you choose, um, in terms of SEO, those two things are, are very different between blogs and podcasts. Keep in mind, search engines can't hear your podcast. Um, so if you put in the proper metadata, you put in the show notes, you put in a full transcript, you put in all the proper keywords, um, a podcast can be, um, can be of benefit in search, uh, but it's a little bit trickier. It's a little bit more challenging than a blog where uh, it's just written text and, you know, search engines can read that. They can see everything in your blog post as long as you structure it properly and put the keywords in your titles and you have the right markup with the title being an H1 or whatever it is, um, then, you know, blogs are going to be probably a quicker, easier win when it comes to search than podcasts. Also, podcasts are typically hosted by uh, another platform. You know, you have your podcast on Spotify or on Spreaker or Podbean or whatever. Um, and you're not putting it natively on your website, or if you are, it's embedded from that other platform. So search engines aren't even really going to see it. Uh, you do have to put a little bit more work into your website to um, have your podcast natively on the site in a way that search engines um, and other crawlers are really even going to see it. Uh, so if there is going to be a search benefit, it's probably going to be towards your um, your hosted podcast. So if someone searches for the Jeff Fry podcast, um, it's going to take them to iTunes or to Spotify or wherever your podcast actually is, not to your own website. Uh, whereas if someone, if you have a blog and someone searches for, uh, you know, whatever it is that you're writing about, then they're, they're going to see the actual blog post on your website. They're going to click on that and go to your website. Um, so that's, that's probably the main differentiation there. Uh, not that you can't use podcasts for SEO, um, or that they wouldn't be beneficial, but there's a little bit more work involved. Um, and it can be a little bit more tricky uh, just to get it to a place where search engines can uh, can really see that information. Uh, but again, across the board, pick whatever medium is best for you that you think you can put uh, you can put on put out good, valuable content on, and do that because. Um, you know, if you're just doing a blog because you think it's better for search, but you're just a terrible writer and you should be uh, doing a podcast, then that's not going to be as uh, a, a crappy blog isn't going to be as valuable to you as a high quality podcast. 100% miles. Uh, you know, it, it also it doesn't have to be an, an or, uh, you know, sure. I, I really like, you know, you for a business to be able to do both and, and you think, well, God, that's a lot of work. And really it's not. I mean, if you can start with just a podcast, a long form podcast and then pay an employee or do it yourself uh, to transcribe that down into a 500 word blog post there, you're killing two birds with one stone and you're putting out twice as much content. Uh, and, and you're probably going to be reaching different people because of course people uh, consume content in different ways or people who are readers or people who are listeners. Um, and, and, and so if you can do both, but, uh, Miles's answer was, you know, hundred percent correct. You have to first find out what you're best at because that's what you're going to put the most out of, you know? So if you're a really great writer, 
do blogs. If you love to talk, do a podcast uh, because that's what you're going to be more successful at is, is the more you do, the better you're going to get and the larger your audience is going to grow. Uh, but, you know, just in turn, if all things are, are even uh, in, in terms of the, the person and the business, uh, uh, SEO aside, because I, and Miles made some great points there about SEO, but just from a macro marketing, uh, advertising kind of branding standpoint, I'm a really big fan of podcasts right now. I don't think anybody who watches this show, uh, that's going to surprise them because I, I talk endlessly about voice, 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 voice and the power of voice and how I think it's going to be the next big thing. No, I mean, it's already is the next big thing. And so, and this of course ties back into that constant theme that we've been uh, discussing all, uh, over and over and that speed and convenience. And that's why I think voice ends up winning the day, uh, not only today, but moving forward is because I can listen to a podcast and I can cook dinner and I can clean the house and I can multitask, right? And what are we doing as human beings in 2020, 21? We're multitasking almost all the time. And for me to be, have to read something, I have to sit down and I have to, you know, I can do maybe, you know, some, some light multitasking, but I really have to pay attention to what I'm reading in order to absorb it. Uh, and, and at least for me, maybe other people aren't, aren't like this, I can absorb a lot more uh, through audio without being as as is glued to it. And so that, that to me is why I really, really think podcasting uh, is, is not only the future of, of, of the way we're going to communicate, but just voice in general is really, really important. And so the earlier that your business stops or starts adopting uh, voice related uh, mechanics, I think the better uh, because it's, uh, it's how the majority of people are going to want you to communicate with them in the future. All right. I think we're going to wrap up with that. We've been uh, talking for about an hour now, over an hour now, so I'm sure they're tired of hearing us. Um, if you are catching this later and you want to ask us a question, you can email us your questions at askwildman at wildmanweb.com, um, and we will hit your question next week. Um, as this is a weekly show, we're doing this every Wednesday at 11 uh, we're live streaming to both our Facebook page and to our YouTube channel. So if you prefer YouTube, jump over there. If you're a Facebook person, jump over there. Um, and like I said earlier, if you think this content is, is valuable, if you think that we're answering some good questions, putting out some uh, good information, then help us to reach some more people by liking, commenting, sharing. Uh, the more engagement we get on this video, the more people we get to reach and the more questions we get to answer. So, um, that is it from us today. Mike, any, uh, any closing thoughts? Well, I hope everybody has a safe and prosperous week, of course, and I appreciate everybody, uh, all the questions today and everybody tuning in. Next week, we're going to have a little bit of fun, I think. We're going to make our, our, uh, our predictions for 2021. So it'd be a lot more fun if you guys all brought your predictions and, uh, and filled the comment section with those as well so we can... Uh, entertain those in the discussion uh, other than that i look forward to next week and y'all have a great week all right see you later mike okay that is it for today we'll see you all next week uh wednesday at 11. thanks for tuning in
Thanks for listening to Ask Wildman. Send us a question for next week's show at askwildman at wildmanweb.com.